0: is up everyone welcome back to another episode of the panthers nation network i have actually completely lost track of how many episodes we're at i i've found a point i don't even know what number it says in the bio for the episodes you'll be able to find it you, you, it's it's in the teens i think if if you're really keeping track but um but we're going to start out this episode by introducing a voice you may have recognized from a few episodes back uh, as we've mentioned before, uh, our veteran Jeff Taylor has got a gig going in Charlotte that uh, has taken up a little bit of his time, but he is finally getting some of the recognition he deserves in the ways that he, in the amount of stuff that he does. So he might be a bit absent for the rest of the offseason. We're going to try to figure that out. In the meantime, y'all, we've talked about this before we recorded the episode, and I feel like deserves mentioning. For those who have listened for a long time, obviously you will know that Jeff is my father, so there's a bit of bit of a chemistry there. You could say, Shantice and I were classmates, senior year of college. Uh, we were actually classmates before that, but he didn't talk to me until senior <laughs> year of college, which is fair, which is fair. And uh, we he, and we started, you know, Mondays. We would be sitting waiting for the you know class to start, and he I, he would see me wearing Panther gear. I'd see him wearing Panther gear, and we would just start complaining about the season. And that's how the podcast kind of came to be as we joined a group called the Brawl Network. And through the Broad Network, they gave us the blessing of Tyler Haberski, who we have actually never met in person, not a single one of us. They, just, they said they had a guy for us, and we said, cool, let's get going. So a lot of cool things can come kind of out of nowhere. And so a few weeks ago, <clears throat> you know, we like to have guests on the podcast, and we apologize. We need to do a better job of doing that, kind of falling off here in the weeks. But can you blame us? Look at this offseason. It's been ridiculous. But we had Jason Brooks on, and immediate connection there. Just sparked an immediate connection. And I do want to say that we have had a good amount of people ask to, to join the podcast routinely. And I want to say that this was not something like premeditated that we just push y'all out of the way. This was a very spur of the moment thing because when we talked with Jason he provided a very similar kind of perspective that Jeff did as well called the old head vibe because he gave us that and I'm sure he doesn't like being being labeled as that but I'm gonna say it Jason that's what that's what it brought to the table already so I'm to let you reintroduce yourself and uh, thank you for coming on with us man
1: oh no problem no problem at all no I certainly appreciate it no I listen I relish the fact being called an old head you know I paid my dues I think I'm old enough to to go ahead and accept that role nowadays you know it's
0: okay, that's Jack. Jeff. That's the Jeff Taylor magic right there. <laughs> well, Jason, like I said, we're happy to have you on, man. We're excited sure. to get to talk to you here these next few weeks as we go through this off season. Uh, Shantice and Tyler, you know, things are kind of getting a little bit routine. You know, Tyler's now out of school. Shantice has gotten settled in. So, talk about now how that much boring, how much more boring that makes the off season
2: at, at this point, bro. It's I'm waiting for something because you know lad, like the past couple years it's always been something going on but now it's just the dust is kind of settling nothing's happening it's like we're in the middle of where we just started june and, and like you, and now you're just waiting for a training camp and with that being the case like you know you just kind of wait around you just kind of you know we just only think only information we get is from these pressers where you know of course they're going to talk highly about their guys how much they love everybody how much everybody's progressing and, and it's just you know I'm not gonna lie. I kind of missed the dramatics. I missed the drama of you know. <laughs> I missed the who, who we're gonna trade for this week, who we're about to sign, uh, who's on the tra- who else is on the trading block, who who may not get re-signed. I, I, I kind of I, I miss it. I mean, I you know it it's it's a it's a headache being a Patriots fan, but you just, you kind of get used to the chaos. Now I, you know the past couple years it's been chaotic. I kind of I kind of relish in the fact that chaos is what we're about over here.
3: Yeah, that chaos is something that we continue to see in the media now, especially at this time of year where, you know, a lot of these big networks have these crazy posts year-round, but now at this time of year, things start getting stretched really big. A lot of narratives start flying around that, just aren't going to be true and you know there there's no blame, blame in that right now there's not much going on um, and you know i've i've seen every panther snap there's no more film to watch they're you know looking at the depth charts it's it the dust is settled and we're ready to go we're ready for something new so once camp starts um we're gonna we're gonna see those narratives start to come along and then preseason and then we'll be into the craziness of what is the regular season
0: and so it's in these times that i find that if i'm not you know if I'm not just absolutely hurting myself by reliving glorious moments on YouTube and watching fan, you know, moments from the Panthers, I find myself looking towards the future. And of course, it seems our coach does as well. As rule has perpetuated this, this, this five years. This it takes seven years. I've never in my life thought that when Matt Rule came in, he, he would quote Jay Z to try to to give his defense defense to his plan. But lo and behold, I think the Panthers have done things no one would ever expect. Jason, as you look, you know, into this season, especially kind of, where do you see this year falling in his sort of seven-year plan? What do you see coming to, coming to pass here?
1: So for real, on Matt Rue's side, it's make it or break it, brother. He either comes to show improve, or you got to hit the road, Jack. I mean, it is what it is. You guys went after Matt Corral. I'm going to believe in what you picked. I had another pick in mind. But go with what you've got. But to be fair to Matt Corral, I would say, or Corral, what do they call it? Corralina or whatever they're saying right now? Um, Golden Corral, Corralina.
3: Yeah, yeah. What what is it right (laughs) now? So,
1: no, no, I would tell you no. I'm going to give him a fair shake. You know what I mean? I think he's coming into a good situation. He's got a bum quarterback ahead of him. He's got a good line. We have made a very good upgrade in the line, I think. The wide receiver core couldn't be better. I'm not going to tell you who my secret is on the on the wide receiver core. He came over from the Browns. We're going to leave that where it is. Um, And then, you know, I'm going to say that I think our defense is stacked. J.C. Horn comes back 100%. We're giving him the platform to succeed. The question is, can he coach? You know, we talk about that all the time. Can he coach? He claims he can. I haven't seen it yet, though.
0: And,
2: uh, Jack, I know if you want to step in, but I mean, listening to the pressers from today, hearing Ben McAdoo talking, Steve Wilkes talk, I, I heard two guys from those, like from from those two guys, I heard two head coaches really talking at that, at that point. I felt like I, those are the guys I really want to trust. Like I, you know, when, when we hired Ben McAdoo, I wasn't the most ecstatic about the hire in terms of you know him being the being him being the OC. But I, said, I do I, I do look at it as it's another adult in the room that can that that knows how to at least operate an NFL team. Steve Wilkes I thought didn't get a I didn't think he got a fair shake in Arizona and we know and we know how that went. And I think, you know, he's a guy that's very much deserving of a head coaching opportunity. And it's like I'm happy those two guys are on the coaching staff, but I would just feel a lot better if one of those guys was leading this team going into this season.
0: And Chantice, you bring up a very unique point. I can't think of, you know, too many times where a, and and the one that does come to mind would be the bucks where you have this many former head coaches on your roster. Now, of course we're not going to anywhere near compare the bucks of that season to the Panthers of this year. (laughs) Jason, the problem with what you just asked is the problem that I feel like comes with head coaches. You shouldn't be asking if they can coach because at the end of the day, their role isn't to be the strategic coach. They're supposed to be able to rely on their coordinators, and they're supposed to be the glue that holds the team together, can raise the guys up, raise the morale. We know he doesn't get vocal on the sidelines, or at least not towards the players, it seems, because it seems Brian Burns, Robbie Anderson, Cam Newton was doing that before you know his first day on the team. So that's what concerns me about Matt Rule, is that when you look at Ron Rivera, I mean, obviously – when he took over on the defense you saw what he was able to do but up until that point we weren't going okay i don't think rule i don't think rivera can coach a team like i don't think he can lead like you were going no he's a he's a leader like people will lead, will follow him and from what we heard from burris and from what it seemed the vibe to be the players apparently listen to rule they they apparently listen to rule i will you know i don't so know if that's I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, finish, finish, finish your thoughts. Well, I, yeah, I, I, you know, you know, the, the, I mean, of course Burst isn't going to bad mouth his, his coach yeah, on any course. sort of project. He's not going to do that, but I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. I just, Shantice you're right. It's weird to have three head coach, former head coaches on a staff. And it did sound like two head coaches going back to back. And I don't know if they did that just in case have your backup plan and your, in your, and your third plan, but. You know, Steve Wilkes, I, I I can see what transpired for that point. You know, he absolutely got a bad rap in Arizona. I think he. we should never have let him go in the first place. Like, we should have tried, and he was going to, so I think it's good for him to come back, especially with the role we've given him. Ben McAdoo, I think it's just trying to keep a career, a career alive. Obviously, we got Corral with McAdoo in mind. I don't know which came first. You know, it's the weirdest chicken and egg I've ever heard, McAdoo or Corral. I don't. I don't know which came first, but clearly that was a the plan they had in place, or else right now the people would be talking about the tandem would be talking about would be Willis and Newton, and it's that exactly Tyler what you talked about. What the media wants to push, they're just continuing to beat the dead horse that is Cam Newton to the Panthers, and I, I'm getting to the point where I'm I'm sick and tired of hearing about it, and I just want to just cut his line, Tyler. I'd like to hear. I'd, I'd be interested to hear your thought process when it comes to the roster age we have here, because the problem with Rivera's tenure is for the last, I say, three, four years of his coaching, everyone was on a clock. Every player we had was the end of their time with us, the end of their career in general. Greg Olson, Thomas Davis, you know, all these guys They're now, there's no, you know, there's barely any, anything punched on their time cards. I mean, yeah, we, no, that's, the oldest that's, guys, maybe six, seven years in the league. Right. And there,
3: there comes a balance with that. Um, you know, it was great building up the Panthers team that won the Super Bowl. And we saw that thing get built up since 2011. And it took year yep. by year, every single year, adding key pieces as guys that were rookies, developed into leaders by the Super Bowl season. And we saw those players like Cam Newton, Greg Olson, Luke Keighley, um, down the stretch of their careers and how things were different after the Super Bowl year and how things went downhill um, on an older, meaning also slower roster, where now um, you're younger, a lot younger. Um, which, you know, you're going to be more athletic, more, um, you know, less injured. <laughs> you know, you played less snaps and less football up to that point in your career. Um, but there's less leadership. There's less experience to go around. And there, ne- there needs to be a balance. If you look at um, teams, that, uh, you know, recently, look at the Buccaneers. Tom Brady comes in, but there's such a well-rounded roster from position to position. They, they have young guys, um, key rookies, key young guys in different spots. But then they have old veterans like Adama you know, Kong as well as Brady, and many others like Bronx in, in different positions to be that leadership and be that mentor to the young guys who they need to step up and play. So having that balance between, yes, we have our more young and athletic guys versus the experienced vets is an uh, exact science that is so crucial to these teams. And we talking, talking about Matt rule and some of the hires we've made, um, you know, you can say what you want and there's no way to know about what's actually going on in the building. But w- if he can't trust his staff and and hasn't trusted his staff up to this point. And who knows, he may have not after what we've seen with the Joe Brady um, falling out and and things up to that point. But now with with Steve Wilkes coming in, Ben McAdoo picking another OC, and then guys like Jeff Nixon coming back, who he has experience calling an offense now in the NFL. um, And even though that's not what he's going to be doing now, he has more insight and experience to offer um, in game plan meetings and stuff leading up to each game. Uh, you look at the rest of the staff, Phil Snow coming back for another year, and then a former players like a Terrence Knighton, who is uh, is on staff now with the defensive line coach. So for Rule to really let this thing go and to put everything he has on the table, it can't be let me micromanage this team of young players. It's let me trust my assistants. And like you said, Jack, he's not the scheme guy. Um at this point. That's he never has been in his career. If you look at all his stops, he's bounced around for between offense, defense, um, and he's done a good job in whatever he's been in. But now that the head coach in the NFL, you need to first establish that culture. And if you are going to be a young team, you need to make sure you find your leaders right away and that they can they can lead in in effective ways. Looking at O'Brien Burns, um, you know, it's his key year to step up now that you know Cam's gone. And just talking about Cam, how unbelievable that is that he can come in here in the first week back with guys that he's never played with before, make those relationships and really lead them. So we need guys to replace him amongst a lot of others. So this year is really up to rule to, to see how he can, uh, you know, absorb the rest of uh, the duties between the staff and then the leaders within the team.
1: Yeah. I think, I think, I tell, I think, I think you made some great points. I, I think for me though, the overarching of what you said is though, did rule make the decision, or was the decision made for him? So that's my question. I mean, I don't know how bought rule is into this coaching staff. Was and the coaching this, staff his pick?
0: And this is a double edged sword of rule. When you cast aspersions so much, when you when you point fingers, when you talk about, you know, well Brady, you know, didn't do this today, or when you would put it all on Cam, on Teddy, on whoever you have there to put it on, then. How, how do we even believe that if you can put the blame so much on everybody else, where do you put the credit? And that's what, and that's what we, were, that was the biggest, you know, even to this year's draft, like that was the biggest still con, like confusing factor of the draft was who are we giving credit to here? Who has the reins? Is it Fitterer or is it rule? Obviously his first draft in, it was all rule. You could see the signs writing on the wall the fact that PJ Walker is still on the team is just an indicator there that rule had some hand to play in this, in this, you know, in this thing. So that's the concern here is you, you don't, I mean, you, he's done in almost impressive fashion. What he's wanted to do is that I can't sit here and tell you what it is. He has actually done positively or negatively. I, 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 he doesn't have a, like Rivera, you would clearly know, what it is he was doing. Like you could tell where he had made his impact and where he didn't with rule other than the, you know, the temple, uh, you know, the the, 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 other than those, you know, the, 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 nepotism, you know, signings and picks. I, I, like, I really could not tell you because we would blame, you know, offensive issues on Brady. Then Brady goes away. Issues still apply. You know, we, we would blame, you know, the player progression on, on Phil snow or injuries, those things, you know, injuries go away. Phil Snow is still there. You don't. You just and and maybe he's doing that on purpose so that you're sitting just in this purgatory of perspective, and and you have no idea.
2: You know, the one thing I'll say about this is that it it is very reminiscent of how NBA situations go in coaching. Whereas the Lakers, for example, they'll they'll go get a coach and they'll pay the staff. So I do think I think Federal probably maybe had a maybe big part.
0: pre-LeBron, but
2: the post-LeBron, <laughs> pre-LeBron, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna. I, 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 the the funny thing about the life is that even with LeBron being who he is, those Jeannie Buss will still make that call. Like, that that family will still make that call, and, and, and it feels very reminiscent of that. Like I think Federal probably played a bigger part than what he would like to say, because I think nobody within that building wants to make Rule look like he's not capable of putting together a staff picking players. I, do I think he's bad at all of, the, all of these things? No, I don't. But I do think a lot of this is being influenced by, by by outside forces. I don't think he necessarily wanted to go get guys that were more capable than him of being the head coach. I don't think that would – he doesn't strike me as that, as that type of guy. I mean, at least in the first couple of years, he seemed to be headstrong about, about doing it his way. Getting rid of Cam, letting go Greg Olsen, bringing in a Joe Brady and a Phil Snow, that's – that, that lets me kind of, it, to me, it let me know that, like, oh, he's headstrong on doing it his way with his guys. The bringing in the Ben McAdoo and, and Steve Wilkes, that's that screams to somebody that's been around the league for a little minute and know these guys are the guys you want to have in the building if you want to win games consistently. That to me screams more Scott Fritterer more than Matt Rule, at least at this point, because he's been the guy that's been the most professional guy in the building out of. Fritterer, Rule, and Tepper, I trust Fritterer the most. When he, when, At least when he speaks to the public, I at least trust what he, what he's conveying, conveying to us. And I got to believe that a lot of this is probably coming from Fritterer. But again, as a franchise, you don't want to make your head coach look like he's not capable of making these decisions.
3: Right. And like, like I said, with you know not being able to know the connections within the coaching staff in the front office and how everybody's interacting, we talked about it. Previously, um, with, with Rule and Fitter, the, the decisions made in the draft, of course, the last two years, they're working together to make these decisions and um, do what they both can agree on that fits the team best. And publicly, it's going to look and it's going to show like that they both agreed on the same thing. But disagreement is a good thing in a front office. And hopefully, there is that disagreement and there's got to be between them. But we've talked about how Fitter coming in, in uh, before the 2021 draft. <laughs> Having a great draft and um, really earning the trust of a lot of Panthers fans. I think what all of us on here have spoke pretty positively about Fitter. But now Rule, um, originally when he got hired, he was amongst the favorites. If we think back to a couple of years ago, amongst the favorites of head coaching candidates to replace Rivera. And we were, I mean, a lot of us were really excited about it in year one. You know it was year one and then from there that trust and, and and confidence kind of waned ever since then so they're both in very different spots in their career where fitterer is trending upwards and rule is trending downwards so that is a very tough situation where you know ideally in a perfect world everybody in the, in the coaching staff and front office are, is able to put their personal um, agenda and personal career aside and do what's best for the team But as we know, talking about the draft uh, and leading up to it, like, yeah, Rule does have um, a reason beyond the hot seat and should be trying to save his job where Fitter should be looking to build this team up in the long term. So understanding how these connections work, not just with the head coach and GM, but with their other coaches is hard to tell from this perspective, but it's extremely important in how the team runs, not even from a draft perspective, but just from a locker room on field perspective, which is super valuable.
0: So as we've you know we've been bouncing around the, dis- the discussion of it and it all culminates kind of on one point, and we started talking about it with Jason. So we, I mean, this is make or break it year for Rule. I, it really is. What real quickly just run off what what record do you think saves him his job? Mm. And I, I, can, I can go up to anyone because I got to think you have to be. I, I would have to think at least I would I would have to say five at least five uh, above five hundred.
1: Oh, definitely above five hundred. What do you mean above? Yeah, he's got to like, be wild card I... <laughs> worthy. He's got to be that... wild
0: card worthy. See, and the the only argument I have there is that I feel like the it's the it's the ego that they have there. Well, if he does enough. If he gets to above 500 and can prove that he can put together a winning season, which he hasn't done yet, they'll go, okay, well, maybe he did just need some time. He put together a winning season this year, maybe next year to playoffs. I feel, I just, Tepper doesn't, I don't know. He's, I I can't get a good read on him either.
1: So this is, so I I don't, I don't, I don't want to take the whole question, but I'll say this. If you read between the lines of how Tepper speaks and how Tepper speaks, this is his make it or break it year. He's not going to spend the money. It's like, it's like stocks, right? It's like how he built his hedge fund. He's going to take the risk. Once the risk doesn't prove in its near term, he doesn't see any window of improvement. What does he do? He cuts baiting. And that's what you said. The mitigation strategy is already in place. He's got two to three head coaches on his staff right now. That if he doesn't get to a particular record, I think in his mind, by a particular part of the year, I can see him putting either McAdoo or Wilkes in that role and saying, all right, rule, we gotta buy out cause. We're gonna buy you out. We'll wear that on it, you know, on our head. I mean, let's be honest. Charlotte isn't happy. Home isn't mm. happy. Right. Charlotte was not happy with
0: to- multiple playoff seasons from James Borrego. So they're definitely not gonna be happy with <laughs> Exactly.
1: The- exactly. <laughs> so we're not happy. So you wanna you want to build all this grandiose things with the football? I mean the football club. Love it don't want to hate on it you want to build a new arena you're not building a new arena with what what you've presented us right so you have to present us something that shows championship status championship quality what are we building what are we putting for i don't think rule has a big window i really don't yeah we sign them to a big deal you live and you learn sign them a check sign them a check let them ride and let's move on i i think for us right now, we do have a very nice young core, which we haven't had in over what, a decade? Yeah. I don't think we've had right. this amount of youth on our squad in
0: like a decade, right? I don't I think, think we've had this have a, our squad since the Cardiac Cats. And even then, like Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right. Exactly. Yeah, right. So I'm
1: I'm I'm fully bought in on the youth movement. I think we have some veterans on there. I would have liked to have seen Cam come back for one more year with you know, even if it is with Golden Corral or whoever his name is right now. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to joke him until he proves me wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I
0: I, the I, that we're here. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly. But I, I would like to see what that jail's like, right? DJ Moore being much more of a veteran. He's got something to prove this year. Let's not leave him out of the conversation. Right. He's got a lot to prove. I'm liking Trimble. I think Trimble can come in and do some real good work for us. Right. So we've got some very integral pieces that I think that we can build off of. The kicker is, what is the strategy? What is the window? Because the NFC South is wide open, and the Bucs don't scare me this year. I'm going to be 100% on. Todd Bowles doesn't scare me. He doesn't. I'm going to be honest with you. So I think we have a good chance to be wild card worthy. The NFC in general, I think we have a good chance to be wild card worthy. So rule, if you want your job, be wild card worthy.
0: Now, Tyler, I'm gonna put this on because I feel like it's t- like with Rivera when he was on the hot seat. can he him and Cam came up same time together. They had that time period. It's I feel like it's so tough to to put then the you know, the need to go, hey, you need to be successful now. When obviously he still has his guy in Sam Darnold. He still has the guy he brought in. But from the comments today, McAdoo is making it sound like there's a very real possibility if Corral performs a certain way in camp that he could be competing for the starting role a lot earlier than we think. So do we think Tyler, that this success of rule is going to be viewed under the scope of whoever is under the center, or is it going to be, it doesn't matter who is playing quarterback. You got to be successful.
3: Oh no. At this point, you, you've got to be successful. Uh, he's had plenty of shots with the quarterback, you know, tried out Teddy, which, um, what was the, was uh, you know had a lot of reasons to it. It was a game, you know, manager in a lot of ways where he wasn't gonna throw you know and lose you the game necessarily, but he wasn't gonna put the team on his back and carry you. They next year they take a risk, move off that after a a, a consistent steady year, but nothing um, where we were gonna get past our ceiling, go for um, a higher risk player in Sam Darnold, trading a second and a fifth round pick. And we saw the low of, of Sam Darnold and as he didn't reach that superstar ceiling that we really traded for him to be, you know, we, we didn't move off Teddy, um, who played better than Sam Darnold, um, for, for just, uh, you know, uh, uh, what he gave us. So. So then, you know, with Corral, you, this is your third shot on a quarterback. Granted, you haven't had the chance to pour a top 10 pick in it, but in this league nowadays, there's such a short leash with, with any coach, with any GM, now that if you don't figure the quarterback's situation out. Go ahead, Jack.
0: I'm sorry. I'm going to interject right there. They damn well had a chance to pour in a top 10 pick into the quarterback position, and I'm not going to say that I disagree with taking Horn, but and I know Tyler, you had your you had your you know your stipulations with that class even at that time, depending on who was going to be left at that point. But they had a, if they if, if 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 rule really was like okay, I need this quarterback to save my gig. They had that opportunity. Fields was still there. You can Say what you want about him, but if you're if you're pitching Willis this year and not Fields last year, or you're pitching Cam now and not Fields last year, what are you doing? Because oh, yeah. imagine Fields with the line we have right now.
3: I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. But um, but but yeah. Granted, passing on that whatever they thought about the quarterback situation did not feel the the opportunity to do it. And we can talk about what they should have done. Um, but needless to say, they've had three sh- chances on, on quarterbacks, and and this with Teddy, with Darnold, and then this year with uh, with Corral and, and Darnold together. So. Um, you don't get you don't get another shot, and you don't feel confident with a guy like like Rule who's done this you know year after year with having him then take the next chance um, as a first round quarterback. You don't feel confident if we fail this year and having to move on to this guy. So the, the the answer has to be on the team right now, and for Rule to stick around, the answer has to be here. And the coaching staff um, alongside Rule is going to do what they can to elevate one of these guys to be the man. It ha- they have to because. We talk about rule being on the hot seat, but that also means the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, the assistants, the entire staff is on the hot seat and could be out of a job if they don't make Mm -hmm. make this thing work. So um, at least not in Carolina. So, uh, you know, being able to elevate the play of one of these guys uh, right away is going to be critical to their success.
0: And I saw you had some, you know, maybe a bit of disagreement with that, Jason, but let's be honest. I mean, Roll's been hard pressed to keep coaches on his staff while he's not been on the hot seat and in the position in itself. So you got to believe that if he goes, the only one that I would think that would have a chance at staying, because I I agree with Tyler. That's my, that was my fear with, with Wilkes is my only, is my only thought process of who would be able to stay after the fact, because for McAdoo and snow, I mean, for McAdoo, like, we that's why I didn't like that pick because you knew when wet left, then McAdoo was out the door. Then boom, there you go, you got it. Like, and that was not someone I thought was worthy of getting an offensive coordinator gig. Like, it's not gonna, it, he's not gonna be a one hit wonder enough to give you a a Super Bowl run to the to the postseason. No. So if no. he's gonna be gone in two years, why make the investment there? Phil Snow, you know, like I mean the defense can coach itself at this point. It's, a, it's about player development. They have the instinct on the field right now. It's about getting them to mature because they made a lot of mistakes, a lot of stupid mistakes. These last two years have been, have been from the defense more so obviously from the offense and that, but so playing, you know, I wouldn't say devil's advocate cause it would be awesome. So say rule goes this year, <laughs> Jason and let like whoever goes first, give me an outlook then and what you think transpires after the fact. You know, and Shantee, I'll, I'll sign you. you i take down first. Go ahead, sir. And Shantese, I'll assign you with McAdoo taking the reins from as interim, and then tell me your you give me give me a look into what you think goes from that point. Okay, so
2: I I, I I should have pulled a schedule up as soon as you said that because honestly, my prediction is that rules going by week seven, that schedule to start yep. the season off. He ain't making it through
0: that. If he so, makes it through the Broncos and the Seahawks, I'll be I'll be shocked. <laughs>
2: oh, God. You know? yeah. yeah, that's. No, That'll be a successful season for him if he makes it to that point. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, I think by week seven rules out of there, you probably give the reins to McAdoo because they always seem to lean towards the the offensive coach if they're gonna go give a go give an interview to anybody. And at that point right there, um McAdoo's in McAdoo's interviewing for every everywhere else. Cause I think he knows that he's not gonna be the future of that panthers organization i think mean, he's this is just simply a gate for him to get a chance to get back to where he once was which is being an nfl being an nfl head, head coaching candidate but from, from that point on oh my god i don't
0: know
2: okay what exactly is the question here because i mean i because I, I mean I, it's the question of where are we going after we fire rule
0: yeah so here's so here's my i'll give you my little example of my just sadistic brain here's what happens you Get rid of rule and I'll play either and I'll let Jason take the reins of going if yeah, we I give the that we that. give we give the role to Wilkes. Mm-hmm. But but what so we, we we get rid of rule, you know, whenever we do. So get, get interim Wilkes, maybe McAdoo, you've got an older offensive coordinator, but McAdoo might be looking, you know, if he's not already interviewing the round, he might be looking to maybe keep that role if he likes it, or keep the offensive coordinator role. Maybe he wanted to do that. So then, as far as I'm looking at it right now, the head coaching pool is fairly thin. You know, you've got your you've got your 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 staple guys, Eric Bieniemy. You're gonna look at. You've got your guys coming up that you might. You know, obviously your assistant coaches or your coordinators that you're looking at. But there's one guy who was being talked about before he even got a coaching gig, to get head coach perspective that the Panthers have a very close and personal relationship with, that was let go because of not a lack of success under the current regime. I would not put it out of possibility for them to reach out to and interview. Joe Brady, if rule goes because he was already garnering head coaching perspectives and head coaching looks. And if the pool is really that small and they don't want to go some of the other routes, I, I don't think I'm not, I'm not sure what happen. And honest to God, I don't think it would be the best, but if he was already gar- I mean, he was garnering that much yeah. attention and then n- Nothing. I don't even think he interviewed after he left.
1: You
2: know, I think
0: for, for he only Brian, interviewed
2: though.
1: twice. I think I think he interviewed twice. But did he? Okay, he I think he interviewed twice. I mean, the second one was Buffalo, which we we already know that's Panthers North. You know, I yeah. mean, that's, let's be 100 percent honest there. I think let's say let's say he goes and let's say Wilkes gets the reins. I can see Wilkes taking over right around Shantice's point, that mid-range of the season, maybe. But I would tell you this we go on four. I don't see him making it to 0 and 5. So let's nope. start there. If um, we go
0: one and four, I don't see him making it to one and five.
1: That's even, and listen, you're giving him work. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you that too. So yeah, that's true. Um, for me, I think Wilkes, if Wilkes is successful, I think he would gain one more year. Um, I think with him, though, my thought process is where, how does he build his coaching staff? Because he did it in Arizona. I don't know how much he inherited in Arizona, but his culture staff wasn't that impressive. So for me, I don't know if he's learned from that and he's able to get you know gather his, his situation and change it from that perspective. I'm kind of upset that Smitty's in New York right now, but that's a whole nother time for a whole nother conversation.
0: So that was a joke. Um, <laughs> that was that was a joke, by the way. Was it? He didn't. It was a Yes, we fell victim to that last <laughs> yeah. week. We because we we thought he Smitty was being Smitty. I was, so, I was gonna be upset.
1: So so here's so here's what I so now that I know that's a joke, I would want Wilkes to get Smitty as a wide receivers coach. I would want him to go get Luke Keekley as a defense at DC. Give it I would to him go with him as D. I I'll give it to him as DC. Um, and I would reach back. I think Wilkes has enough ties to our organization to the city to reach out. And you guys know where I'm going next. We got to bring Pep home.
2: I you know, Tepper, it's crazy. I,
1: pra- I want I want I want, I want Pep to Hamilton home. I want yes. Pep Hamilton. And you said Joe Brady, I would go with I if I was tempered, you want to take a risk, you want to put your money, go, Pep. I would roll up the Brinks truck for Pep Hamilton because I think he's the next brightest coordinator, coach. Brain in our in in the NFL, he's been around. I and mean, be, look he what he did with Jacob. He, he, well, he did Patrick's that game. because, but well, he did that because he knew Lovey was going to be the head coach down in Texas, and he didn't want to. He that's his boy. Lovey made him the made him the OC QB coach when he was in Chicago, right? So he's yeah. loyal to that. Why would he come coach underneath yeah. rule? I wouldn't come and coach underneath rule. You wouldn't go coach underneath rule. This Roo, is right. a, under the sinking ship. Absolutely not. But I think if Steve Wilkes was there, and we were like, look, you've done what you can do, I want you to come home and be a part of this new breed that we're breeding." And if you got Keekly in the building and Smitty, I mean, the attitude is crazy. The, The swag is phenomenal. The key pounding mantra is alive again, in my opinion. So that's how I would like Steve Wilkes to play it out. And let's just say, for instance, it doesn't play out that way, and McAdoo gets it. McAdoo's only claim to fame is he was an OC where in Green <sighs> Bay, right? So who 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 was he coordinating at that point? One of the greatest. Yeah, one of us could coach Aaron Rodgers, and it would still be a success in our in our book, <clears throat> right? So at the end of the day, I mean, if McAdoo does it to your point, he is interviewing. He's interviewing right now. Now, what can you do with this montage of the Panthers? I and mean, then if he does well with us, then he's going to get a gig. If he leaves. I go for I go for Pep. I, I really do. I back up the Brink's truck. I bring Pep home. Um unless Wilkes takes it first and then Wilkes is able to win out the year and bring Pep home. That that's my honest opinion.
0: All right. All right, Tyler, give us give us your thoughts real quick before we end up.
3: Yeah, no, before we wrap it up here, before I hop off, just you know, it's so important to get that quarterback tied within the offense. And I think that's a big reason that they they moved off of Joe Brady it's hard to get one of these top guys chasing the next josh allen is not a winning strategy in the nfl that's why you saw um, these quarterbacks in this class fall um to the third round and, and continue to fall because it's chasing that next you know superstar quarterback where a guy like josh allen literally learned relearned how to throw the football um and early on in his career and which is one of the many reasons why he changed and is the superstar that he is so you're, there's only so many superstar quarterbacks that means if you're lucky to land one, you do it. And if you're not, you still need to find a way to win. You can't just keep punting every season until you get that pick where, hey, this is the guy that we're going to roll with and we're going to win the Super Bowls with. You have to find that middle ground while also avoiding um, being that seven win, eight win team that we all don't just absolutely want to stay away from now. It's easier said than done, but what we need to do at this point is play within the offense, whoever it is—Corral, Darnold—make things easier for them. Less drop back pass game, more play action. Um, you know, working to to keep not only the young offensive line in check with easy um, play action assignments, but also the quarterback easy reads and play within the system. McCaffrey's back. We talked about him and his health and how some of those injuries have been. More uh just dice roll injuries and nothing really consistent that keeps occurring. So hopefully we get a healthy season out of McCaffrey and how McCaffrey plays early on is actually is really gonna be critical because I completely agree with you guys. You know, rules gotta show it right away or else he's he's done. Which you know, say what you will about it, but that we gotta start hot. And you can say say what you will about the schedule. But if it's not moving right away, you know, there was a lot of people. Um, on on the train that rule should have been gone after last season. So you know, they, it's a day by day thing that with, with rule and in uh, Tepper. So he's got to start out great um, from there. Seeing whether McAdoo or Wilkes is the head coach, um, I could see it going either way. Like Chauncey said, the offensive guy usually gets the bump up, but you know, S- Steve Wilkes has has proved it and um, has done everything in the in in his own right to deserve that kind of kind of gig. So seeing where we move from there, um, how the quarterback situation plays out. And then also something to look at um, is, you know, looking at a guy like Scott Fitter, if they they, they do move on from um, the majority of the coaching staff, do they um, also can the front office or do they say, Hey, Scott Fitter, you've done a really good job and we want to keep you around And Hey, maybe Scott Fitter is the one in the the seats picking the head coach, you know? So it could go a lot of different ways where um, if they really do feel like Scott Fitter was a part of a lot of the good moves that were made, they give him the, the keys to pick his head coach, which you know changes things completely um, in the outlook of our of our team and really lets us hit that restart button. Um, so uh, re- really interested to see how it goes from there.
0: Absolutely. Well, hopefully things pick up a little bit, maybe get a bit more chaotic. We always love to incite chaos as long as it ends in a good note. But unfortunately, until then, of course, we have to keep waiting and keep pounding.